Welcome to another episode of I'm Chris Don One Podcast, episode 88. How you living? I'm living swell. We got a jam-packed episode. Uh, I apologize. Uh, I haven't been consistently delivering the episodes. And we're going to go back to our regular schedule programming, our old format. Uh, we're going to be uploading, well, I'm going to be uploading episodes Every Monday. So every Monday, you're going to get a freshly squeezed episode of I'm Chris the Dom One. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, follow me all on all of my social media handles. Uh, Instagram, I'm Chris the Dom One uh, TV. Same way for YouTube, I'm Chris the Dom, I'm Chris the Dom One TV. And uh, likewise to Twitter. All right. So without further ado, let's get into today's topic. First topic I want to talk about, I saw this on Here's the Thing podcast, and Here's the Thing podcast is uh, is on the Joe Button Network. The Joe Button Network is on YouTube. Uh, go subscribe to Joe Button's network. Uh, you can check out his episodes, his past episodes, and also he has uh, a lot of, of, of new episodes of, uh, you know, particularly he has two uh, podcasts two female podcasts, Here's the Thing podcast, and Girl I Guess podcast. Uh, but I, I, I really thoroughly enjoy Here's the Thing podcast because the one thing I like about podcasts, it, 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 you know, when you listen to the individual, you start thinking particularly about uh, the topics that they talk about and their positions about the topics and their opinions about the topics. And it's you start to brainstorm and think about the particular topics that they're talking about. And uh, but the particular topic they were talking about on Here's the Thing podcast, uh, supporting black content creators. This question and this problem is a re is a reoccurring problem, and they was labeling the 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 things that uh why a lot of black content creators don't get a lot of support. Uh, networks don't understand a lot of black content creator programming. Uh, they don't know how to advertise it to um uh well to their uh, fans. Uh. Particularly, they don't know how to uh, uh, they don't know how to advertise it to black fans, and a lot of networks don't give a ton of support and patience with with, with the progression of a black uh, production uh, content. Okay, uh, they were gravitating more to television shows, um, and well, just black media in general. And when you talk about a lot of these networks, a lot of these networks are run majority, primarily, uh, with with uh, with, with white America. A lot of white, uh, uh, you know, a lot of white males and females that make the decisions, particularly with a lot of of, of program that. Uh, that that's born and raised with uh black content uh a, a lot of a lot of these networks don't understand uh how to 
uh, make this organically grow, organically ro- uh, work, and to advertise it to uh, the fans out there, to the media out there. Um, it, it has a hard time uh, seeing the light of day. Um, a lot of they, they talk about a lot of those things. The one thing I noticed they didn't talk about is how, first of all, with with black content creating creators not getting a lot of support, and it really doesn't matter what facet of media you're talking about YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok. They even talk about TikTok, how uh, a lot of black uh, African American dancers would make these TikTok videos, these dancing TikTok videos, and they're very creative, but they're not as successful as their their counterparts, which is uh, the white dancers. And a lot of those, and particularly with TikTok, it's a copy and paste type of format. It's not a lot of original content on TikTok, um, which is you do these... Uh, you do these uh, special things each and every day, making your version of what you're you know, trying to outdo or to uh, get into that fanfare. I remember the silhouette uh, uh, competition on TikTok. Everybody made a silhouette uh, video, all right? And uh, I remember everyone doing the uh, busted, the busted challenge. That was huge on TikTok. Everybody made a busted uh, video. Okay, so that's how TikTok works. But to start, uh, to start that type of pro- uh, progress, you have to also, inc- uh, you know, it also has to be acceptable not only to, uh, you know black fans but to white fans as well to all nationalities to make it hugely popular and make it a huge a huge trending topic where everybody is doing it and that's the exception of the rule but a lot of black content creators who do uh videos on tiktok they don't even reach to that stage and uh because a lot of trending things we like uh a lot of nationalities don't get they don't understand okay and the only time they get it and the only time they understand it is when is when they see their friends their followers their influencers doing it okay and they just assume the person that they got it from um they are the creator of it and it, it it just blaze it just blades off and, it, and and you know everybody is now doing it but a lot of people don't even know where where did it originated from a lot of these successful popular tiktok videos these challenges and things of that nature they they originate from uh somebody who may not have the status who may not have a, a ton of followers it just happens to that particular video came through that particular influencer's timeline and they said, oh, okay, well, let me do that. Uh, I feel like the one thing TikTok needs to do is give credit where credit is due. If somebody starts a trending topic, a trending video, you should at least have the individual's name on the side 
Oh, the originator on the side, the origin, whoever originated the video have their name on the, on, on the bottom of the uh, screen where people could just click and just go to it. Now you could just click and check out all the videos that have done it. And you have to scroll all the way down to the, and a lot of people are not going to scroll all the way down to who, who started it first. Um, you know, people just sc scroll down to the one they perceive as the hottest one. But I feel like TikTok should give credit for people who start those trending videos and those trending topics. You know, just give them credit. And particularly with social media and particularly with entertainment, um, black content creators don't even get uh, support from that standpoint. I feel like the major issue with black content creators not getting support is, you know, it's sad to say, but when you're a black content creator and it really doesn't matter what platform you create content on, um, your you have to do you have to work twice, twice as hard, sometimes three times as hard just to get your own kind interested into your content. OK, um, it's, it's so hard to get that support when you look at other demographics of other nationalities. It's really not that difficult. It's, it's the easy part of, you know, getting something accomplished when your own counterparts are promoting your content and your product. But when it comes to the black community. The black community look at other uh, people that, uh, well, others that look just like them, who's trying to make something trending, who's trying to make something popular, who has content and want to promote that content. Sometimes you have to work two times, three times hard just to uh, get it accepted in the black community. Um, and I don't know why we do that. I don't know if it's the fact that, you know, you have to earn our respect. You have to earn our eyes and our attention. I don't know if we are like Simon Cowell, where we are really judgmental. We, we really judge it and view it and, and see if it's acceptable to us. Um, I don't know if the black community is accepted of other black content creators. I don't, it could be, it could be all those reasons or one of those reasons, but it, or it's the fact that, you know, uh, there's certain people in the black community that view that, that type of content and they are envious of it. They're jealous of it. And, uh, they don't want to see you shine. They don't want to see you bl blossom. Um, it, it could be that reason as well, but it's a it's a stigma on black content creators just to get it popping in their own black communities, in their own uh, black communities. It's hard to get the acceptance there. And then when you look on the other side of the border, when you look at your uh, when you look at other nationalities, particularly a white media, it's even hard to even get it acceptable or give it or show it the light of day unless it's really trending, unless it's really popular 
to them is not the fact that it's not accepting to them. They just don't understand it. They don't know how to utilize it. They don't know how to promote it or uh, or advertise it, okay? Um, and the only way they understand it if it's been if it's been copied and pasted from uh, from someone in their community. And then typically when that happens, people look at that as people look at that as, oh, I saw this on so-and-so's page. They started it. And they don't give the credit where the credit is due, where that influencer who has a lot of followers, who get a lot of traffic on their page, they don't, uh, uh, the person that that influencer copied and pasted that uh, content from, that content creator doesn't get their flowers, doesn't get their roses. And I feel like um, black content creators are, you know, still to this day have to work twice, three times as hard, not only to, to the audience of the black community, but for it to be acceptable in uh, whatever field of entertainment you're trying to promote. I feel like television shows such as The Shy, such as Power, um, at first, those shows in the beginning didn't get the acceptance of, of you know, from uh, from uh, the black community and the, and the white community. Because the white community did not understand it, okay? And uh, with the black community, you know, when it started, you know, you know, you, you, you didn't understand what those shows were or what those shows meant. And if those shows didn't like, for instance, Power, 50, 50, uh, 50 Cent produce it, you know, they would always, when they advertise it on Star, they would have Curtis Jackson and 50 Cent, uh, producer, director of Power. And that's how they would uh, advertise the show Power to the general population. Okay. If Power would have just gotten its own uh, credibility and no one knew 50 cent uh created power power would have flopped many years ago because in the black community it would have to work two three times as hard to be accepted in the community and when you talk about a uh, white america it's uh it if it's not understand if they don't feel it then uh they have a hard time advertising it and promoting it so it could get its uh so it could get all of its views and all of its props and all of its flowers and things of that nature but uh, when when I heard them talk about this on, on the here's the thing podcast <clears throat> I was saying to myself that's a problem that black content creators have been experiencing for decades and still to this day with all the advanced technology and social media and things of that nature uh black content creators have a hard time of blossoming uh blossoming and uh you know 
being promoted, being accepted, because you have to work three, four, five times as hard just to get your flowers, just to get your roses. Whereas you look at your counterparts, it's not that it's it's not that hard. It's not that much hard work for something to to become successful. A show like Seinfeld, and I never understood the genius behind Seinfeld. I didn't think it was a very funny show. But a show like that uh, got the legs. It got got the episodes and the seasons it deserved because they knew how to advertise this. They know they they knew how to market this. Jerry Seinfeld, the comedian. Seinfeld, the show, I didn't perceive it as being funny, but the majority of people found that show very, very funny. And that show, it uh, went, won tons of awards, hugely popular, hugely successful. People, uh, not only Jerry Seinfeld uh, got uh, successful by being on that show, but even the cast members got popular for for being on that show. But at that particular time, they knew how to advertise that show. They knew how to get the numbers. They knew where to fit that show in the week. And that show blossomed and became something bigger and bigger every single year. Even though I didn't perceive it as being funny. Okay. But what if Seinfeld was a a creation from an unknown person uh, in in the black field, the black community wouldn't perceive that show being funny. Uh, NBC would have a hard time figuring out when and where to ever uh, to place this show in the time slot during the week, and they would have probably said, "You know what? I feel like this show could run on a Monday or Thursday, and let's just." run it side by side with other uh, sh- uh, black content creator shows, okay? Instead of just letting it run on its own merits, we're just going to pair it up with another uh, show that was produced by African-Americans, okay? And then they'll somehow make that must-see TV a special event, but only half of the American audience is paying attention to that show because look how it's advertised. So, yeah, I mean, I can go on and on and on about about uh, black content creators not getting their flowers, not getting their support, but it just goes to show, how, you know, how how it works. Okay, so moving on from that, uh, quick uh, on basketball news. Uh, the Lakers lost. Brooklyn lost. Okay. Uh, it looks like the Clippers are going to either get swept or it's going to be a five-game series. And the reason why I'm mentioning those, uh, and uh, the Golden State Warriors didn't even advance into uh, the playoffs. And you're wondering why did I only mention those uh, those those teams you know, there were other teams that were eliminated in the playoffs. And the reason why I mentioned those teams, because you, you just witnessed, okay, a DOA 
uh, dead on arrival, the super teams. Uh, I just think the super team era is done. It's over with. Um, if you look at all these teams, they paired a superstar with a superstar. And in some cases, three superstars. Okay. And this has been going on since the uh, Miami Heat year when they got Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and LeBron James. I don't really view the Boston Celtics as a big three because you have to understand Kevin Dar- Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and uh, Paul Pierce, they were coming out of their prime. Okay. They were not in their prime, in the in their younger primes like uh, the Miami Heat were, the Golden State Warriors were, uh, you know, the Clippers, uh, even the Lakers with LeBron. Well, look, even though LeBron James is a little bit past his prime, he paired up with another superstar with Anthony Davis. And the Brooklyn Nets, they got Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. That's a super team. So, the reason why I'm saying death of the super team, because now organizations done figured it out that you don't really need a super team to win a title. All you need is to draft accordingly, draft the right players, build around those players, and add a piece here and there in free agency. And this is the dawn of basketball, NBA basketball at its finest. I feel like now, instead of three or four teams where you're saying, okay, they got three superstars. It's a four. It's a foregone conclusion that they're going to win the title. Now they they don't brought back suspense in the NBA. Now and now when you bring back su- suspense and the possibility of your favorite team maybe maybe the one that wins a title. Okay, uh, now you start bringing back fans. All right. You, you know, and the NBA has slowly but surely, you know, losing views and losing ratings. You know, a lot of people are contributing to the social justice uh, movement, but uh, it, I have it ha- may have some doing with that. But I also feel like the the main reason why the NBA has been suffering uh, with their views and with their ratings because it's only been about two teams, maybe three teams. And those are the super teams. And if you're not a fan of either of those three super teams, then your team was lost in the sauce. You know, there was no hope for your team. Now you're seeing teams such as the Phoenix Suns, uh, building it from within, drafting right, drafting the right players around that uh, particular player that they drafted highly on. And then a piece here and there. Now the Phoenix Suns are possibly going to the finals. Okay, uh, when you look at the uh, when you look at uh, the Atlanta Hawks, they drafted Trey Young. They started building around Trey Young, and guess what? There's a possibility where they can go to the finals. If you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, they drafted Giannis. They didn't try to uh, get rid of all the talent that they had on the team just to 
pair him up with a superstar. They sort of build around Giannis. And uh, in free agency last year, they, they picked up a couple of key pieces. And now they are, are two. They too could go to the finals. The era of the super team is over. D-O-A. Uh, now... Instead of pairing up, instead of pairing your superstar up with another superstar, you're completing your roster. Any talent that you have on your roster, you have to trade it away. Any time, any type of draft picks in the future, you have to trade away. And now you got a two, three year, four year window. It's a lot of these teams, a lot of these super teams don't even make it to four years. Uh, now you have a short window to win the title because you gave up on all the talent that you had on your roster. You gave up on your future with your draft picks just to uh, pair all that stuff up to add a superstar. And if that, and then now the weight and the pressure is on that superstar because if that superstar goes down. If that superstar gets injured, you don't have nothing behind him to sort of increase your chances in a series. Case in point, when Anthony Davis went down, when the Los Angeles Lakers played uh, the Phoenix Suns, they didn't have anyone at their disposal that can um, help increase their chances in winning that series. All they had was an older LeBron James and a bu and a bunch of pieces and a bunch of parts that um the reason why they got these pieces and the reason why they got they got these parts is there were they were there were cheaper parts and there was just numbers. All right. And look what happened to uh the Los Angeles Lakers. They got disposed real fast, real quick by the Phoenix Suns. They had nobody that can defend Devin Booker. It was a foregone conclusion. Um, and in that series, Chris Paul was in and out of the lineup. He was even injured. So that that goes to show trying to create these super these super team. You mean to tell me if LeBron James would have had Kuz, Ball, Brandon Ingram, uh, they had some decent talent on that team. When LeBron James got there, you mean tell me LeBron James isn't good enough to galvanize that talent? That's that talent was better than the talent he uh, had in his second stint with Cleveland, and he he took that team to the finals. So it is what it is. Um, same thing with the Brooklyn Nets. When the Brooklyn Nets had uh, KD and Kyrie, seven eleven. Um, and then they had those other pieces that was already on the team. You mean to tell me that Brooklyn net team couldn't beat the Milwaukee Bucks, but no, you had to trade away all that talent. You have to trade, give up on your draft picks for James Harden. And now the Brooklyn Nets are sitting home. The Golden State Warriors. Even though they didn't tr got rid of a lot of pieces, the only pieces, the only c contributing factor that they got rid uh, that didn't uh, resign with them was Kevin Durant. But 
They had to let go of so many pieces and so many draft picks just to fit Kevin Durant under the Golden State roster. And now when he leaves, you have nothing in return. You gave up on your future and you gave up on a lot of people in your roster just to keep Kevin Durant. The Clippers with Kawhi and uh, Paul George. They gave up a lot of pieces that were contributing to the Clippers. It was two or three years ago, the Clippers went into the playoffs with Doc Rivers with no superstar. You mean to tell me those pieces with a, a Kawhi couldn't get you uh, where you are right now? Even though Kawhi is injured? So... That's the end of the super teams. A lot of organizations, a lot of owners, a lot of front office uh, personnel, they're looking at this like, hey, yo, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that if we just draft the next great, the, I mean, uh, a superstar, if we draft a superstar, build around the superstar, add a piece here, add a piece there. We got the chance and the opportunity to go deep into the playoffs. Because look at the Phoenix Suns. Look at the Atlanta Hawks. Look at the Milwaukee Bucks. Just saying. Just saying. I feel like this is a new era, a new dawn, a new day. I feel like now more than ever, people are going to come back to the NBA. Because now you get you bring back hope. You, you bring back optimism about other NBA teams. If you draft well and if you sign well and you don't give up on your talent and if you don't give up on your future draft picks, you have the capabilities of making it deep into the playoffs. You begin a playoff run. Okay? So DOA to the super team. I don't think nobody's going to create another super team ever, ever again. And with this new crop of young talent in the NBA. They're not even thinking that, okay? Uh, they're, they're thinking of competing against each other. Competition is good, folk. Competition is good. It's never good when all the best talent want to be on one team because it dilutes your league. Uh, people stop watching your league, Okay? And the only person that's the only people that's going to benefit from short term success is that super team is that individual. But it hurts and dilutes the rest of the product of the league. OK, so DOA to super teams. Good riddance. Good riddance. All right. Stories from retail. OK, so real fast, real quick. There was a story that came out in the New York Times article that suggested that now more than ever, there's a huge influx of retail workers quitting their retail jobs. Um, and in this article, they said the main uh, a lot of them leaving retail because it's a dead end job. Uh, they don't get a lot of respect. Uh, they have to deal with rude customers and low pay. And you also have to put in, which I didn't mention this in the article. 
a lot of these uh, retail workers were perceived as frontline workers uh, because a lot of retail stores, convenience stores, grocery stores, gas stations, they were still running and owned and popping during the pandemic. Okay. Uh, that was the only business that did not close. Restaurant closed, uh, clubs closed, uh, gyms closed. You know, every major outlet outlet that doesn't involve supplies that you need on a daily basis closed. Even you know, and that caused a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety in a lot of these workers and. Uh, a lot of these businesses got super busy because, you know, people were going in and getting their daily supplies or uh, ordering online and getting their supplies. OK, or going to the gas station to pump gas. OK, that was still on and popping during the pandemic. OK, now the pandemic where the pandemic is somewhat behind us. Everybody's starting to come back to work. And now you're starting to see a, 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 a dilution of the retail workers. Now, a lot of these retail workers are putting in applications in other fields. Uh, this one lady in this particular article says she put in an application to be a daycare provider, Go, uh, you know, which is daycare is a is a very important job. There's a lot of jobs out there that need workers. I just saw something on uh, television that the uh, United Airlines, the airline business is suffering a lot of, you know, telling a lot of customers they're going to be unable to uh, help them because they don't have enough help, okay? Uh, so now, you know, because a lot of those people left those positions because during the pandemic, nobody was flying. So they all quit to other jobs, to uh, to other nine to fives. They, they just said that, that they heck with it can't support a or they went or or they got unemployment and a lot and, and some of these people are still under the un, unemployment umbrella and that's a, a a real problem with retail worker retail workers are are you know you know at first during the pandemic they was already being stressed out that was already being underpaid. They were being underpaid even before the pandemic. Okay. And now they done had enough of it. So you see a lot of, you see a huge influence of a lot of people leaving retail work to pursue other things. Uh, some of them are going back to school. They're, they're taking trade school. They're doing anything and everything other than going back to retail. Okay, and that's the problem with retail work. Okay, uh, they, uh, it, it's, it's hard to hire anybody because nobody wants to be in retail, but the business is still stacked. The business is still packed. People are still ordering online. 
people are slowly but surely going back into stores. And, you know, even during the pandemic, people were still going into the stores. Then you have to deal with people that don't want to wear masks. You uh, have to deal with people that don't want to do social distancing, that don't want to respect other shoppers or other employees. It's a highly emotional, stressful job. A lot of people don't realize uh, you know, a lot of people see retail work from the outside looking in. They think, oh, this has got to be an easy job because when I go in there, I go in there, I get my supplies and then I'm 88 out the gate. It can't be that difficult. It cannot be that hard. But I'm here to tell you it's extremely hard. It's it's very stressful. And with all the work you got to deal with, your your whatever department you're in in retail, it don't matter what department you're in, you're always under, you're undermanned. You, you don't have a full staff working alongside of you. So that makes the day even longer and more stressful. And on top of that, you don't get any appreciation. And on top of that, you're underpaid. You're, you're, you're are underpaid. And, and that's a sad, uh, uh, you know, uh, about about retail workers. I, I feel like a lot of customers don't know what it takes. A lot of people on the outside looking in do not know what it takes to work in retail. Retail is a very stressful, hard job that's unappreciated and you don't get the support or you don't make the money. Okay. I remember one time when I was in retail, and this is stories from retail. Uh, I remember one time I was working and this customer, he was an irate customer, and um, he had an issue with, uh, you know, depending on your state, in, in the particular state I lived in, uh, he was upset that he couldn't buy alcohol at the time he wanted to get alcohol, okay? And this was on a Sunday, and in the state I'm in, you know, you can't sell alcohol until 10 a.m., and he started getting upset, talking about, well, that's a dumb rule y'all created. And I was going like, well, sir, it's not our rule. It's it's the policies of the state. OK, uh, it's not our rule. It's the state's rule. OK, uh, you know, and I was saying to myself, you know, if you have a problem with the rule, well, first of all, there's a problem already because you don't even realize it's a law. OK. It was a law that you had the capabilities of voting down. But a lot of people decided this was a good law, so we're going to pass it. So obviously, you wasn't even there. or You don't even realize that, you know, the beginning stages of this law, when they were trying to pass this law, you had the capabilities of, of not accepting this ruling. But that's neither here nor there. Another thing I thought about is, you mean, you've been here this long and you don't even know that this is a state law and now you're blaming it on us. And I feel like that's like passive behavior, in my opinion. You just want to argue with somebody and you can't argue with your local congressman because if you argue with your local congressman, you're going to get arrested and be put in jail. If, particularly if you are, you know, particularly if you are, um, uh, are in their face and and it escalates into something else, okay? And you're not even gonna have the capability even 
to argue with your local congressman because, uh, you know, there's they got tons of state troopers guarding the premise. So you're not even going to have the capabilities to even argue with them or even, you know, you know, you can email them, but they're not even going to uh, send your email to him. OK, so. So what's the next thing you could do? You can obviously argue at the guy who had no uh, power to other than voting the law in or not voting the law in, just like you do as an American citizen. Uh, you can argue with that person that's low on the totem pole, uh, uh, particularly about this, this, this law and particularly about the business. Okay. Because, you know, managers are not going to come over there. All right. Unless it gets highly emotional, it gets highly toxic and, you know, and, you know, you, you start being the aggressor because right now all you're doing is assaulting the worker. You're verbally assaulting the worker because you're upset about a law that you're not aware about. So he goes on and on and on. He goes uh, on. I, you know, I in retail, you have to understand, look. To make a problem worse, you know, the worst thing you can do, go back and back with a fool. And my dad used to tell me, never argue with a fool. Because if you start arguing with a fool, uh, and then the, uh, people from a distance don't even know which one is the fool. Okay? So I'm not going to argue with you, particularly on something like this. Because at the end of the day, this, this doesn't affect me one iota. I'm not a drinker. I'm working. Even if I was a drinker, I'm working. I can't uh, take a drink of wine or beer anyway because I'm working. So, and plus, I don't even like alcohol. Okay, so uh, this does not phase me one iota. Uh, you know, allowing you to buy it or you know me enjoying it. Okay, so he's pretty much arguing with himself. After I told him there's nothing I can do in state law, and he says, well, I make more money than you. That's fine. You probably do make more money than me. I might make more money than you. We, we really, I don't know. I don't even know if you have a job, but the fact of the matter, customers would say, uh, a customer would say that. Um, that that's very assaulting to somebody that's all they're doing is just working okay um they're not keeping you or stopping you or trying to rain on your parade so you feel like if you can't get your alcohol you want to rain on somebody's parade uh on somebody's day by trying to insult them by saying you make more money than you that then you make more money than them I said, I politely said, okay, have a nice day. When you, you know, when you, when you pretty much say, okay, have a nice day in their mind, they're thinking that you don't, you're not even paying them no attention, which I wasn't, I wasn't paying no attention to you because anything after this wine purchase or this, this purchase that you, the wine that you could not get on a Sunday because of state law. Uh, after we done came to the conclusion that this isn't going to happen, everything else is th is thrown out the window. There's, you know, I'm not 
arguing with you. I'm not going back and forth with you. Um, what's done is done. I'm moving on. How about you? You know, which, you know, I was saying to myself, like, dude, you could have gotten wine yesterday. You could have gotten wine all day Saturday. You could have gotten wine all day Friday. You could have gotten wine all day Thursday. Okay. There were moments in time in your lifestyle. And by the way, you said you make more money than me. You should have had enough money at those other days to buy the wine. And uh, the, what you can learn from this story is this is a this is an example, and this was before the pandemic. How retail workers, grocery workers, are understaffed; they're underpaid. Uh, they get the most stress. They have to deal. They have to work in toxic uh, environments and deal with toxic people. And you wonder why a lot of people are leaving retail. Okay, now more than ever with the Amazons, you know, if like a, a, a good established retail worker, if they're hellified knowledge and they're, if they're hellified good, they're going to move to the on, online side of things where they don't have to deal with customers one-on-one -on -one, like Amazon, okay? Or, you know, whatever uh, retail company that has online service, they rather just deal with customers that you don't have. There's no interaction with customers. OK. So, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to uh, talk about that. Uh, and I'm pretty much done with episode 88. I really do appreciate everyone that uh came to this episode rate comment subscribe support this content please with your friends family and followers uh, i'm gonna try to uh put the episode out on my youtube channel i'm gonna have the full episode then i'm gonna just break it down sort of say um it's your boy the host with the most i'm chris don one i'm up out of here Outro, people. Outro. Oh, and one more thing. The next time you go out there and on your busy day, your busy schedule, and uh, you go to a grocery store, a gas station, a retail store, please, by all means, please, when you, if you walk up to a retail worker, uh, acknowledge them and appreciate their uh, their their time appreciate uh appreciate them for coming in to work you know we need to start giving flowers out to people out there that's uh doing retail okay it's your boy the host of the most i will see y'all monday i don't know if I, it's gonna be monday morning or monday afternoon but it will definitely be monday all right i'm about to hear deuces <laughs>